Welcome to Riverside Community Church. We are so glad that you are here joining us either live in person or online. We are blessed to have you in our presence. And we just wanted to get with you and tell you a couple of things for some information this morning. If you are watching online, you can connect below with a couple of things. Um, there might be some information regarding some events that are coming up in the future, or maybe you just need some prayer, or um, you can also connect um, with our app that we have launched, which is connect to Riverside slash Bible. And you can follow along with the sermon and the notes. It's an amazing tool that they have provided for us. And we should utilize all the tools that are given to us in this day and age because it is amazing. We just are, are glad that you're here this morning. We just welcome you um, to church, whether you're at home or you're here um, live with us this morning. If you're here live with us, you can just tune with the screens around us and follow along get your hearts ready for worship we're going ready to get to the king of kings and lord of lords this morning amen joining us online. Welcome. Father, we're just so thankful we get to be in your presence today. I ask that you fill this place, God. Stopped you. 
This is the sound of dry bones rattling. This is the praise make a dead man walk again. Open the grave, I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. This is the sound of dry bones rattling. Just ask the stone that was rolled at the tomb in the garden. 
Yeah, God, we believe that this morning. We stand in your perfect love. All fear fades away. And we get to rest in you, a good father who loves us, who cares for us. We worship you. in my way you're the sun 
Father, we praise you, Lord. We praise you all the time, and we thank you for your goodness, Lord. We thank you for being with us all the time, Father. We thank you for the blessings in hard times and good times, Father. We thank you for always being with us, and we thank you for being here with us today. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Please have a seat. Well, thank you for being here with us at Riverside, and thank you for being here online. If you're joining us here for the first time, welcome. We are kicking off a new series this morning calling, called Family Matters. You can uh, follow it on the U version of the Bible app. If you click on events, there's three lines down at the bottom. Um, click on events and uh, you can pull up all of the notes from John's uh, scripture, uh, scriptures and notes and uh, go ahead and input anything there. By the way, my name is Michelle Woodman. I'm the outreach director here at Riverside. 
One of our ministries that you can also find there on the U version at the bottom is the Loft Coffee House. That's one of our main outreaches here at Riverside. And it is open Tuesday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. 2 p.m. and Saturdays from 7 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. It's a fantastic outreach, and it provides not only a place for community, but it also gives back to the community. Another way that we give back to the community is through giving. And you can do that a couple of ways on the slide behind me is in person. There's some boxes that you'll find throughout the sanctuary um, as you exit online at connecttoriverside.com and through texting. Um, so if you'll go ahead and pray for me with the offering. Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the ways that our community blesses us, Lord. And we ask that um, you just please just, uh, just take those blessings and just amplify those, Lord. We thank you for all the ways that you just um, take our community and just spread it not locally, but globally and around the world, Lord. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Good morning, Riverside. My name is Denise Sample, and this is my story. I have uh, known Jesus my whole life. I've trusted him, and I have been uh, loved and protected by him for my whole life. Um, but I've also battled depression and a darkness that um, was crushing. And I started to believe some lies many years ago about who I was, about my worth, about um, my life. And even more tragic, I started to believe lies about who Jesus was and what his plans were for me and how he may or may not um, have goodness planned for my future. And uh, I was invited a few years ago to go to a retreat um, with some very special women, many of whom are in this room right now. And I am thrilled to tell you that uh, Jesus met me there. And he invited me onto a journey where um, lies would be crushed and the truth would be revealed. And he did that through a daily commitment to meet me in scripture every single, every single morning. Um, I, I'm still shocked that two years later, I continue to meet with him every day. And I have to share just this morning's um, scripture because it's so relevant. Uh, he reminds me to throw off my old sinful nature my former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception, and instead let the Spirit renew my thoughts and my attitudes. 
to put on my new nature, that I was created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. It still blows my mind that he can transform um, even a sinner like me. But he can and he does. And I want to invite you to say yes. This is my gospel story. Yes, I love it. So fun to see those. Uh, so, you know, uh, as you know, all last semester we... Uh, did this uh, prayer that we encouraged everyone in the church to do, and we called it Lord Include Me. And then on Sunday mornings, we had people kind of share it in the video, just like you saw a second ago, kind of how the Lord included them. And this semester, we are kind of taking that idea, and we're going to call it This Is My Story, where we are going to invite you, members from the community, uh, to share your story in just a few brief minutes. And so... Uh, we think that just there is nothing more powerful than your life in God's hands. And when you put your life in God's hand, the power of real transformation begins to happen. And so we think that is a beautiful thing meant to be a gift to the body. And so here's, here's the thing what we, want, we also recognize. I know the idea of you sitting there thinking, uh, that's not me. <laughs> that seems really uncomfortable for me to maybe share my story in a public way like that. I don't even know how to share my story. Do I have a story? Like, there's lots of questions you have. And so here's what we've done to kind of come alongside you and help you in that. So next week after this service, I'll remind you next week, but next week after this service, we have Michelle, who is our uh, outreach director here at the church. She's going to be hosting like a 20 to 30 minute meeting that will help you articulate God's story in your life to give you some framework so that you can feel comfortable and confident, like, yes, I can speak about my story. And so that will take place next Sunday, right after the 11 a.m. over in the hub area. And so we really would love, honestly, for everyone to be a part of that. We think that the scripture says, I don't think, but the scripture says we overcome by the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony. And so we believe that you sharing your stories is absolutely critical and essential. And so Really excited that we get to do that with one another this semester. Welcome, so glad you're here. I know you had a lot of different choices that you could have chose today, especially sleeping in on a warm bed would have been one of them. And so I'm grateful that you are here. I'm grateful for you, my friends that have tuned in online. Honestly, I think it's an important one for us to be at. Um, uh, this week's been hard. And if you have paid any attention to the news Holy cow, did you ever think you would see those things? Um, did, you ever see you, did you ever think you would see the images that you've seen over the last few days unfold? And there, personally, uh, I've had to be very careful about how much I take in, because if I'm not, then I begin to carry a lot of heaviness, just in kind of how I'm uh, orchestrating my life. I, I feel it. I feel the heaviness of it, and it breaks my heart. And, and honestly, this is coming on top of a, a very... Um, truth be told, a very painful Christmas where uh, I thought Christmas was going to be this way and yet um, certainly didn't turn out that way. And Christmas was very difficult uh, for me and for my family um, for a lot of different reasons. And then uh, on top of that, you just have this reorientating and COVID and kids in school and out of school and the stupid mass conversation that we're having all the time. And 
I'm going to be honest, my family has really struggled these last few months, uh, and particularly the last couple weeks. And uh, I don't know if your family has struggled, but mine certainly has. And uh, in the middle of what you see on TV, in the middle of the season that we find ourselves in, in the middle of what, how your Christmas may or not have gone, there is still a real offer, I believe, um, for the abundant life that Jesus Christ offers. And I'm really convinced that even in the midst of all of that, God's design for me and for my family is to thrive and not just survive and get through it. And I believe that's God's best for you too. That God's best for you is for your family not just to survive, but to thrive right smack dab in the middle of all of it. And yet I recognize that sometimes when you come to church uh, on a Sunday or you're with your life group or whatever, it can feel very you have to battle against like what I call plastic church, where everything is just, man, it's a great day. How are you, brother? Oh, deeply loved, highly favored. I'm great today. How are you? And the truth be told is, it sure as heck doesn't feel that way right now for many of us. And my heart for us is that this would be a place that we get to lean in and talk about uh, the things that matter most, even in the midst of pain and confusion and a lot of different stuff going on, I believe that your family matters to God. And uh, so because we're very creative around Riverside, we're calling our series Family Matters because we believe that your family matters. No matter whether you are single, whether you are divorced, whether you have a bun in the oven, whether you have kids in middle school, high school, empty nesters, wherever you are, I believe that God would say to you, your family matters. And so in particular, right now, with so much floating around, we thought we would take about four weeks to really lean into this idea of families. And so our battle, our battle cry for the next four weeks, and what I'm honestly praying about, our battle cry from here moving forward, we have a new battle cry when we think about family. And here's the thing, I want you to say this with me, all right? So when we think about family, this is what I want you to say, all right? Here we go. Let's say this together. Forget about me. I love you. Family. Forget about me. I love you. What if that was like the foundation of understanding of how we understood family? Because truth is... Uh, we, this was a couple years ago, but we went through the Gospel of John a couple years ago, and we talked about this uh, understanding of what the Trinity is like, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we've talked about for about two or three weeks that the dynamic or the relationship that the Trinity actually enjoys is this beautiful picture of God's family. And right smack dab in the middle of this beautiful relational component of the Trinity is the DNA of your family. It's how God uh, planned and patterned your family to uh, exist and to live into. Um, you see there's constant prioritizing of the other one, constantly lifting up the other one. There is no me-centered, me-focusedness in the Trinity. It's in perfect harmony with one another. And that, friends, is spectacular. And that's where God has given the DNA of the family unit, of this lifting up and uh, encouraging and prioritizing the other. You see, God does it with his son. God says, 
he sends his son down to the earth and he says, this is my son whom I well pleased and who I love. And then, the fa- and then the son says, no, 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 it's not about me. I only do what I see my father do- does. I only do the will of my father. And then Jesus turns it right back around and says, you know what? You know what's better than me is the Holy Spirit living inside each one of you. What's better than Jesus next to you is the Holy Spirit inside of you. And it's better, he says crazy things like, it's better that I go so that the Holy Spirit can come. And then the Holy Spirit comes along and says, you know what the primary role of the Holy Spirit is in your life? To glorify God, to lift up the Father. And it's this endless circle of just perfect relationship. And you, brothers and sisters, are designed right in the middle of all of that. That is the DNA. That is the pattern of what God's family is designed and meant to look like. And so we're going to lean into that for the next few weeks as we talk about this understanding of family. Now, when we look at this acronym real quick, uh, I think the most important word in that whole kind of phrase is the word love. I think it's important for a lot of reasons, but the primary reason I feel like that word love has been hijacked. It's been pulled up and out of our culture. And hear me say, we're not at war with the culture. Uh, We don't blame deaf people for being deaf or blind people for being blind. We don't blame the culture for being the culture. But the culture has taken that word love and it's totally twisted it and got it to mean something totally unrecognizable to what God actually had in mind when he expressed what biblical love actually looks like. And I see it day in and day out, all week, all of the time. If you don't have a biblical understanding at love, you will get really far off course, really far. And I see it time and time again with parents struggling with parenting kids because we don't have a biblical understanding of what love actually looks like. I see it with friendships and with relationships. We get off track because we don't understand God's definition of love. I see marriages struggle, or even worse, fall apart, because we don't have a clear picture of what biblical love looks like. I see it in dating relationships, where dating relationships actually meant are supposed to be this gift and blessing that actually turn toxic. And it's because we don't have the foundation of what biblical love actually looks like. And so it's important for us kind of moving forward as we're laying this foundation and kind of dreaming about God's best for you. If he says your family matters, how do we build on the foundation of love? That's right. And so here's what we're going to do. I want you to turn with me over to the book of 1 John uh, chapter 4. It's known as possibly the book of love. In fact, 44 times in this book, you see the word love just expressed in there. And so it's a good, really good place for us to start. And so we're going to be in 1 John 4, starting in verse 7. And we've got just a few verses that we're going to cover this morning. Open your Bibles, open your Bibles app, and let's follow along. It says this, verse 7. Dear friends... Let us love one another for, here's the important part, love comes from God. Now stop. Where does biblical love come from? What is the source of love? Do I have it in my feelings? Do I have it in my emotions? Do I have it in my willpower to love my kids? Am I the source of the love? Do I have it in me to love my bride for all the days of her life? 
Do I have, let alone, like, do I have the ability to come here and to love a community, to love my friends? Is that found in me? Because the truth is, if you want to understand what biblical love is, you have to start here. That biblical love, true biblical love, does not start with you. We love, catch this, we love because he first loved us. Biblical love does not start with somebody else. Biblical love does not start with you. It starts with getting up and under God's love for you. That's where it, where it starts. And here's the truth. If you do not roll with this understanding that real biblical love starts with being loved with, by God, here's the problem. You will go out and you will find that source anywhere else you can find it. You, if you think that love is somehow something that's meant to be found out there, that the source is not God, you're going to go out looking for it. And you'll begin to plug in to a lot of different people and try to suck love out from a lot of different people, places, and things. And I just want to tell you, it, it, that is not God's design. And what will in, actually end up happening to you is, catch this, you'll suck. You will suck at relationships. You will suck the life out of God's gift in these relationships, and you will plug in, and you will suck out all the life and joy of those relationships. And you've seen it. You've seen it time and time again where people begin to slip into this role of that they themselves are like the source rather than God being the source, and it sucks the life out of them. Now, fellas, help me out here. Okay, let's say there is a mess around the house, and uh, your wife says, hey, honey, would you grab the vacuum? Like, I don't get real excited about that. Truth is, the, my wife says, oh, honey, there's a big mess. Will you grab the shop vac? Boy, I'll walk right over to that shop vac, and I'll pick it up pretty dang quick because I uh, actually think this is a good sound. I love it. This thing here sucks up everything and anything in its path. You put it down, and it sucks up water. It sucks up the kids' Oreos and spilt cereal all over the ground. I mean, it will suck up any type of job site. And here's the picture I want you to think about. Here's the picture is that so often that if we think the source of love is somewhere out there, what we actually do is, is we take this and we attach it to something that was never designed to be the source. We, we suck the life out of this other relationship here that was never meant to sustain us, to carry you through, and to be your, let's be honest, your God. And what happens, Christy comes home, uh, from work. I've had a bad day. Christy, you better meet my needs. You better, you better give me kind of some attention and make me feel better about my day. And, and it just sucks the life out of this gift that it's meant to be enjoyed. I've put her in a role in a position that she was never designed or intended to fulfill. My kids come home from school, and I miss them. I, I, I like literally miss my kids when they're at school just for the day. Oh, girls, come tell dad all about your day. Who did you sit with at lunch? What games did you play on the playground? No, dad, no thanks. Like, girls, give me what I need. Give me what I... And suddenly what's happened is 
I've slid people and relationships in my life into a position that was never designed to sustain me. You see, I think relationships, marriage, spouse, kids are designed to be a gift meant to be enjoyed, but not the source of love in your life. For if you are a follower of Jesus, that is a very, very different understanding of what biblical love actually looks like. We love because he first loved us. And what happens is, if you're not careful, you'll begin to treat people like they're a commodity. You'll begin to plug in here because this one meets your need. And then you'll unplug when they stop meeting your need. And you'll plug in there because this one meets your need. And you'll unplug there. And then that one over there looks pretty nice. And so you'll plug in over there. And all of a sudden, people just become things you gather along the way rather than a gift that is meant to be enjoyed. And here's the thing. Relationships, I think, are a gift from God. And what so, happen, what so often happens is we flip them into this super unhealthy place that God has never designed them to fulfill. And you wonder why, like, we walk around hurt. It's because oftentimes we put people in a position to be the source. And of course I'm going to walk around offended and upset at you because you didn't meet my expectations and you didn't respond to me the way I think you ought to respond to me. Like, people are not designed to be your source. That job is God's and God's alone. And that's true, but on the flip side of that is something that I, I struggle with around my house a lot too, where um, I, I want people to treat me like I'm their source, where if I can just love my bride well enough, she's not going to struggle. She's not going to have a hard time. She's not going to be like struggling with work or school or friends or children. If I can just be a great enough husband... If, she can plug into me and just, I can give her everything she needs. Or if I can just be a great enough dad, then my kids aren't going to struggle in school. Like, like, why would you need to go out and do all sorts of shenanigans when dad's fun? Like, dad's fun. Don't you know that? And it's like what I've done is, is I've tried to step into a role that's so unhealthy that says, here, I can give you everything you need. Like, if I just love you well enough, I can become your source. And it's like this jacked up thinking that I think that so many of us actually really wrestle with. And what the scripture actually says is we love not because we first loved him, but because he first loved us. And it starts from that place that we have the capacity and the ability to love one another really well. First, you got to be loved. Let's keep going. Um, uh, so here we go. Verse seven, part B, it says, everyone who loves God has been born of God and knows God. Uh, whoever does not love does not know God. So what is the mark of a follower of, uh, of Jesus Christ is their ability to be loved and the ability to love the person standing in front of them. So the most mature follower of Jesus Christ in every single room is not the person that gets up here and teaches on Sunday morning. It's not the person with the most biblical knowledge, not the person that can operate in their spiritual gifts. The most spiritual mature person in the room is the one that's been fully loved, that can fully love the person standing in front of them. That's what Jesus said. That's what God says about what biblical love looks like. Keep going. It says this, because God is love. And this is where our culture gets so far off. 
Notice what it says. It says, God is love. But what does culture do? It flips it and it says, love is God. That love is God. That your job is to go out and find love at all costs. And suddenly we wonder why everything hinges on our ability to be loved or to find love because we've made love God, not that God is love. And our culture flips that upside down and it's jacked up. So after this, the author of 1 John gives us some very tangible things that we can hold on to when it, when it talks about what love looks like when it shows up. And so I've got just three ideas I want to show you about if that's the foundation, if the foundation is, yeah, you got to be loved in order to love the people around you. If that's the foundation, what does it actually look like when it shows up in your life? And so I've got just a couple of things I want to show you this morning. First one is this. What, is look, what does love look like? First, love moves. Let me show you. This is how God loved, uh, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent, he moved, he crossed, he was not passive. He sent his one and only son into the world so that we might find life through him. Love, biblical love is willing to move. God did not love you from a distance. Hey, you look pretty good over there. God was willing to close the gap between Anything, any chasm that existed between you and him. Love is not passive. It does not sit on its hand and watch and see how things are going to unfold. It's not like God does this with me or did this with you. Now, hold on. Come on, heaven. Let's hold back. Let's wait. Let's make sure. Come on, let's, let's give John some time to mature to make sure that he's going to make the right decisions. Wait, wait. Come on, let's have some behavior modification. Clean yourself up. Okay, okay, okay. Now I can love him. Now that he's got himself together. That's not biblical love. The scripture says, while we were yet sinners, that's when Christ came for me. When I was at my worst, he still came for me. Why? Because love moves. Love is not passive. It doesn't wait. Don't get mad at me. Love does not wait for the other person to be who you hope they would be. It does not withhold love until that person kind of, okay, come on, come on, you got it. I'm tired of you being grumpy when I get home. Wait, wait, wait. Love steps in and wades into them and just loves them regardless. Love doesn't wait around for the other person to start acting the way you thought they would act. Love just moves. It's what God did for you. He didn't wait for you to get yourself together. He didn't wait for you to start acting a certain way. Love just moves in the other person's direction, and it has nothing to do with deserving it. We love, remember, not because we first loved him, but because he loved us. Jesus moved in our direction when you and I were indifferent about him. When we were like, eh, whatever, he still moved in our direction. He stepped into humanity knowing that he would be taken advantage of, knowing that he would be misunderstood, knowing that he would have his heart broken, knowing that his friends would betray him, and he still moved. Is that your definition of what love looks like? Like, I'm going to love when it hurts, when I'm misunderstood, when uh, the possibility for me not to have things go my way, like, that's my understanding of love. Y'all, that's... That's sobering. That's a sobering reality that we, you and I actually get 
invited into. But the truth is, love moves. It is not passive. It doesn't sit on its hands and wait. Love steps in. Love always steps in. And I'll tell you honestly, my bride is a thousand times better at this than I am. I come home and I'm all salty and crusty and I'm like rah, rah, fighting about something. And you know what she does? She doesn't back up and wait for me to play nice or be not like, not that I'm a jerk, but you know what I mean. I'm just salty from the day. She doesn't wait. She steps right on in. Come here. Come here. Hey, tell me about your day. You seem hard. How can I help? Is there anything I can do for you? You want to want to talk about it today, John? But love does not sit on the sidelines. Love steps in. And when your kids are acting like a fool and they come home all sassy from school and they've been on their phone all day, you know what's easier for me? Give them their space. Just give them some space. They need to whatever. But love doesn't keep a distance. Love says, nope, nope, come here. Tell me about your day. Regardless of however they act. That's what love actually looks like. We love because he loved us. And so we move, we take action, we spring, we get off the sofa. We don't sit on our hands anymore because love moves, just like Jesus moved in your direction. Let's keep going. What does love look like? Uh, Verse 10 shows us that I think love sacrifices. Let's look at what it says. This is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for us. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Friends, love sacrifices. Love gives up. Love turns over your preferences, turns over your expectations of how you think you ought to be treated in that friendship or in that relationship or in that Thing with you and your kids where your kids are all sideways. Love sacrifices. Love is not me-centered, me-focused, God-centered, other people targeted. That's what biblical love looks like. And our culture has sold us this very cheap definition of what love is, where it's not going to cost you anything. And so we've created these places where it's like, listen, listen, I'm not going to get hurt. Nope, nope. That's not what God would want for me. And so I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to have, I'm going to demand respect and I'm going to demand that I am this and I'm going to, and that's not what biblical love looks like. Biblical love, friends, is willing to be hurt. Now let's be clear. I know in a room this size, um, there are many of you that have experienced abuse in here, physical spiritual, emotional, and please be very clear, that's not what I'm talking about. That is not God's best, and that is not God's heart for you. But what I am talking about is when my wife doesn't treat me the way I think she should treat me, and so I back up, and I just get all pouty, and I... <laughs> Love always sacrifices. Love is willing to step into the mess. Love is willing to engage. Love is willing to empty itself Love is willing to say, okay, it's not about me. I don't care. Who, who cares who's right or wrong, but what actually leads to life and the relationship? Can we just do that? Can we do that? Because love sacrifices. Love, you cannot love without sacrifice. You can't do it. I was at dinner um, Tuesday night with a friend, uh, catching up at the branch. 
And um, he hit me. He bumped me. He said, when was the last time you took your wife out on a date? And I said, bro, have you met my kids? Like, finding a babysitter for the Hinkybine kids, that's hard to do, man. I got to pay him well. Like, my kids are shenanigans. And he said, when was the last time you took her out? And I'm like, man, it's, it's, been, it's been a long time. It's, it's like, parents, it's hard to find a babysitter. You got to plan it. You got to you got to figure out where you're going to go, and that's going to cost money. Then you got to find money to cost and pay the babysitter and pay him really well. And you got to do all. And he's like, listen, love sacrifice. He said this. He said, love sacrifices. You sacrifice and spend money on a whole lot of other junk that doesn't matter. Is there anything more valuable than your relationship with your wife? Take her on a nice date. And I said, you are right, Billy Johnson. You're right. You're absolutely right. For all of the junk that I spend on that's meaningless, that does not matter, am I willing to sacrifice for the things that matter the most? And it sounds so, doesn't it sound so stupid to say sacrifice, to take my wife out, but we get so twisted down in this and that and the details and the finances, I got to figure it out. And God's like, no, no, just lay your life down. Just the way God has designed it and intended you to live, is to lay your life down. When you're tired, love sacrifices and gets up and helps with the dishes. Love sacrifices and helps at bath time with the kids. And getting them into bed and reading stories with them and playing games with them. Love sacrifices and does that. Love sacrifices over the promotion that you should get and can get and are fully capable of. Love sacrifices even that. You know why? Because oftentimes when we step into the new promotion or we step into the new thing, and it's going to remove you from the house even more. Love sacrifices the new house and the new car and the new thing so that you can enjoy the gift of the family that God has given you. Love sacrifices. It doesn't demand its own way. It doesn't demand what it thinks it's due to him or her. Love takes action. Love sacrifices. Uh, this is a picture of uh, Michael Monsoor. Um, I'm a big history buff, and I love reading about uh, past military exper experiences. And I was reading about this new battleship, uh, na new naval battleship that's like the most technologically, technologically advanced like the world has ever seen. Like it's amazing, and it's named after this young man. Uh, Michael Mansour was a uh, Navy SEAL in uh, Ramadi, and... Um, his job was going in and dealing uh, with everything that was unfolding. And him and his uh, platoon of men were on top of a roof, and a grenade got tossed up there. And without a doubt, he dove on it and smothered it. And he was dead within minutes. Now, questions for you to consider. Do you think any of the other men on that roof, there was any question, there was any doubt whether this fine young man loved his team? Not one shred of evidence of doubt at all. Why? Why? Because love sacrifices. Love jumps on for the sake of others. That's what Jesus did for us. He, he took the the grenade of sin and ah, smothered it up out of his great love for you. 
out of his great love for me. Because that's what love looks like. Love sacrifices. And lastly, let's say one more thing as we wrap it up. It says this. What does a love look like? Well, love stays. Let me show you in verse 12. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, listen to this. God lives in us. And his love has been made complete in us. Where does God live? What is God's permanent address? Out of all of the places that he ever could have lived, he's chosen to live inside of you. Why? Because love remains. Love stays. Don't you know that Jesus is like the world's worst house guest? Because he moves in and he never moves out. He just stays put. And he's like, thanks, I found a home and I'm never going to leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll never turn my back on. You is where I've made my home. I've taken up residency, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. And he stays. He remains. And friends, that's what love does. Love stays. Love remains. It is consistent. When it's hurt, love stays. When it's discouraged, love stays. When it's overlooked, love stays. When it's not thought about, love, is sta- love stays. That's what love looks like. Love stays. Jesus modeled that for us. Despite how I orientate my life, despite how I live, despite my decisions I've made, this house has already been sold. He's moved in and he remains because it's what love looks like. Every wedding I ever do There is this moment right before the bride and groom kiss and they exchange vows and then we do the ring thing or whatever and I say the same thing, the same thing every single time I say to them. Today, bride and groom, you come with all the love and joy as every young couple should. You are filled with all of the emotions of love and your heart is overflowing with one another. But I want you to know that standing before you today, standing before you today, um, you are going to make a commitment to one another before God, your friends, and your community. And this commitment is not based on just your feelings or your emotions. That's not love. But love is also not just a feeling, it's a commitment that you are making. It's your willingness to give yourself and remain and stay committed to this relationship at all costs. And then their eyes are like this. Ah! <laughs> That's serious. That's a serious commitment to say that love stays. It's not just out of your emotions or your feelings, but love stays out of a commitment. Because every couple that's ever been married has known that there are seasons, it's really difficult. This is not how I thought it was going to go. And feelings will come and go and up and down. And they're great indicators that they don't get to be in the driver's seat of your marriage. It's dangerous. So how does love remain? How does love remain? Because I've chosen it. It's what Jesus did with you. Chose to take up residency inside of This morning, friends, out of all the places you could have been, you could have done a lot this morning. I'm super grateful that you're here this morning. 
and you're joining us online. And truth is, I think you're here, you're joining us from your homes because I think God has something to say to you this morning. And truth is, truth is, this week has been really hard for me to even think about this morning because I know me and I know the way that I kind of flow and how how God describes what biblical love looks like, man, I wander off into left field pretty often. Pretty often I wander off. And I wonder if maybe the Holy Spirit has stirred something up in you this morning and it's maybe pricked something in you, it's pushed you, it's bumped you. And maybe, just maybe, you're here this morning, you're watching us because the Lord wants to realign you his understanding of what real biblical love actually looks like. So here's what we're going to do. This morning, we get to do something. I wish we... There's part of me that wants to do this every single Sunday that we ever gather. But this morning, we get to celebrate communion. This, this gift that God has given to us that says, I love you that I am willing to sacrifice for you. I'm not willing, I'm, I'm not gonna be from a distance, I'm stepping in and I'll remain in you. That is what we get to celebrate at communion. God's gift, God's declaration that however you stumbled in those doors today, you're loved. However you find yourself today, you are loved. And love looks like this. Jesus modeled that for modeled that for us on the cross when he's offered himself sacrificial for you, all of him for all of you. And this morning we get to celebrate what love actually looks like by sharing in communion together. So friends, you can start opening your communion uh, that's on your chairs. And on the night in which Christ offered himself he took a loaf of bread. When the meal was over, he took the loaf of bread and he, and he broke it. And he said, take, eat. This is my body given, given for you. Let's take the bread. night was drawing to a close, he took the cup and he said, take, drink, this is my blood poured out for you and for many as the sign of the new covenant, a sign, brothers and sisters, of his great love for you, a sign of what love actually looks like. Just take the cup. So God, thank you. Thank you that you first loved us. That we didn't have it up in ourselves. God, we couldn't muster up the strength or else we would have. God, thank you that you first loved us. And that everything that we do from this point on is out of an overflow of being loved by you. God, would you right side the ship for us this morning? Would you right side my mind where I've wandered off? Would you right side the ship, God, where we've let 
feelings and emotions get in the driver's seat of what real love actually looks like and to teach us to walk in the ways of your son. We love you, Jesus.
know, friends, would you receive this blessing? May God bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, to be gracious and kind to you. May he lift up his face, turn his countenance towards you, and give you his peace, his shalom. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, all of God's children said amen. amen. Friends, hey, if the Lord has stirred up anything in you this morning, as always, our prayer teams would love the opportunity to pray alongside of you. Go outside and enjoy a very possibly snowy day today. Love you guys. We'll see you this week. Is it really?